It's the classic rags to riches tale combined with James Bond and with the dial cranked all the way up to 11. Welcome to Talking Films and today we'll be diving into Kingsman The Secret Service. What do you see? I see potential. Kingsman is an international intelligence agency operating at the highest level of discretion. If you're prepared to adapt, you can transform into a spy. Interested? Oh, yes. You are about to embark on the most dangerous job interview in the world. We're here to test you to limit, to enhance your skills. Train for the evil out there. If you get blood on the carpet, you have to take the carpet up. Can't stand the sight of blood. To everyone who said I never made it. Felt sorry for the boy, did you? He's as much Kingsman material as any of them. More so. I got a dinner date with greatness. Mankind is the virus, and I'm the cure. Sounds like a lot of people are going to die. Do I look like I give them? Son of a bitch! Thanks for tuning in to Talking Films, however you're listening in, whatever platform you're listening to. Of course, you can always find us uh, on talkinggreatestfilms.wordpress.com or find us on Twitter at FilmsTalking. Today, we're going to be diving into the 2014 movie Kingsman Secret Service. Mild spoiler alert in case you haven't seen it. Uh, It's something I should have been doing for some of the other movies I've been talking about so far but I figured I would put that plug in there now so if you haven't seen Kingsman by all means please do go and watch it and then come back and listen to this podcast but there are some mild spoilers that abound for Kingsman the first uh, of the Kingsman movies now it's based on a British comic book series Uh, it I don't know if there were huge expectations for it upon release in 2014 Uh, but it was a big hit. I think it was a bit of a surprise hit in 2014. Uh, It made over $400 million at the box office. It's got an 84% audience uh, review on Rotten Tomatoes. Peter Travers from Rolling Stone, who's my favorite film critic and someone who, uh, you know, I've been giving his gratings of the other films that I've done so far. He gave it a three out of four stars. So universally well-liked, I think. Uh, from the people who would enjoy this type of movie. Uh, as I mentioned in the, in the intro, it, it is very much uh, James Bond, but taken to the next level. Uh, I think it's definitely influenced a bit by the 007 movies, but definitely uses its own uh, its own originality and its own, puts its own spin on the, the spy genre, if you will. Uh, really enjoyable entertaining movie it's very over the top in a lot of ways but i think in a lot of ways that's what makes it so great is that it is over the top it's very aware that it's over the top uh it doesn't try and not be a ridiculous movie uh but it is definitely that but it's the good kind of over the top ridiculous uh i also mentioned it's about a a rags to riches tale uh of course the main character eggsy uh you know a down on his luck rebel street kid uh you know he's basically a troublemaker he's he's pulled out of jail at the start of movie uh you know his father was a kingsman recruit so that's the connection to harry played by colin firth of course Eggsy played by 
uh, Taron Egerton. This was definitely his breakout role, I think. We'll talk more about him as we go on. Uh, but he does get recruited by Harry, who's played by Colin Firth, codenamed Galahad, to the Kingsman Secret Service. He's put through the training. Merlin, played by the great, great Mark Strong, who I don't think gets enough credit for a lot of the roles he does. This is one of my favorite Mark Strong roles as Merlin, kind of the guy behind the scenes for Kingsman. Uh, you know, he, he gets his, his action moment near the end of the movie, uh, but for the most part, like I said, he's the guy behind the scenes, uh, kind of the cue, if you will. I mean, it. I think it is fair to make some comparisons to Bond as far as Kingsman goes. So if, if you were to put Merlin in one of the Bond roles, it would definitely be Q, uh, the guy who's, you know, he's responsible for giving them all the gadgets and, um, you know, guiding them through their missions. That's That's Merlin. That's Mark Strong. He's also responsible for their training. Uh, and the training, I think, is very much uh, a unique aspect of Kingsman, uh, because in any other movie, I think, and, and in many other movies that do have training sequences in them, uh, it's done through the form of a montage, and even through some Bond movies. I mean, you think about Skyfall, you know, which a lot of people would say is the best of the Bond films. Uh, you know, there's the montage of, of Bond doing his, his fitness testing and his training, uh, Kingsman doesn't do that. Uh, Kingsman does the training through a full series of sequences and a full series of scenes. Um, and I think that's important for a couple of reasons because one, it, it doesn't fall into the montage uh, trope. It doesn't fall into that stereotype of a spy movie having a, a training montage within it. But it also develops a lot of different aspects which become important to the plot later on. And again, this isn't a movie that pretends to be that pretends to be serious at any point in time. It's over the top for pretty much the entire runtime of the movie from the very opening sequence. Um, but there is a very clever plot within, and there is some clever character development, and the training sequences allow that to be fleshed out. Uh, specifically, it it develops uh, Eggsy's bond with Roxy. The only girl going through the training and the one who's actually selected to the Kingsman uh, Secret Service. Uh, their relationship is really fleshed out in that. As well as Charlie. Now, Charlie, when we meet him, he's introduced... He introduces himself as well as his, his buddies Rufus and Digby. And if you know one thing about British movies, whenever there's a trio whose names are Charlie, Rufus, and Digby, that's like red flag number one, these guys are douchebags. These guys are not good people. They're, they're not going to be uh, sympathetic characters. And they're they, pretty much right from the get-go, just from the names, we know they're not. Very quickly, they, they reveal themselves to be uh, some of the antagonists of the movie. But the training sequences really uh, prove that Charlie is, is an idiot. It proves that he's... A, a bad dude so when he shows up later in the movie as one of the bad guys it's not a surprise it, it's like okay i can see how this would happen uh and then when he shows up again in the sequel in kingsman the golden circle when he shows up as the bad guy at the start of the movie uh in that one it's like okay well yeah like it makes sense it's not something that's out of the dark it's not it doesn't seem far i mean the movie is far-fetched itself but 
the fact that Charlie would be a bad guy isn't far-fetched. Uh, and I think that's an important thing that the, that the training sequences uh, really flesh out for us as the viewer. The other thing that, that the training sequences, uh, they're, they're interspersed within different parts of, of Harry's mission that he's, that he's embarking upon. Uh, and it, it really allows us to see Eggsy and, and Harry's relationship, uh, you know, really, again, I hate to use that term again, it really fleshes out that relationship between Eggsy and Harry, uh, and it, it again that relationship is one that's really really important um, for both for this movie and again spoiler alert for for the second Kingsman movie as well. Um, and you know if it was just done through a training montage, we wouldn't see how much Eggsy and Harry really come to uh, come to care for one another and respect one another. Uh, you know obviously Harry has some sympathy towards Eggsy because of uh, the whole opening sequence and Eggsy's dad at the start uh but also because he he wants Eggsy to succeed he genuinely wants Eggsy to be a successful Kingsman candidate um and again Harry kind of becomes a father figure in a lot of ways for Eggsy obviously we know that Eggsy Eggsy's father is absent uh and through some of the the other uh sequences within the first act where we see that Eggsy has no father in his life, he has no father figure in his life, Harry really becomes that father figure, and that's a really important relationship that's really central to both Eggsy's character uh, as well as the, the plot as well. Uh, of course, the other one of the other big names in the movie is Michael Caine, uh, who is Arthur, of course, who runs Kingsman. Uh, the Kingsmen all have code names which relate back to King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table, uh, Kingsman basically has to come and save the day within this movie, but then when it turns out that Michael Caine is actually one of the uh, one of the bad guys or a bad guy, uh, it's really be falls on Eggsy, Merlin, and Roxy to come to save the day, uh, and that's you know it's it's a great reveal that uh, is surprising but not necessarily shocking um, because it, it doesn't seem like. Uh, Arthur is an extremely sympathetic, good guy all the way through. Uh, some of the things that he asks of Harry, some of the things he says to him, some of the things that he asks of the trainees, you know, he's not really painted in a great light throughout the movie. Um, but in very limited screen time, Michael Caine becomes a very uh, memorable presence on screen, as he would be in any movie, someone of his star power. Of course, he, he'd been in several great British spy movies throughout the 60s and 70s. So having him in a in a British spy movie, you know, it just it just makes sense. The other big headlining actor within uh, within the movie Kingsman, of course, is Samuel L. Jackson, who plays Valentine, the villain. I really don't think Samuel L. Jackson plays villains enough, and whenever he does play a villain, it seems like it's a really memorable character. Uh, and and his villain Valentine in this movie, again, he's over the top. He talks with a lisp. He dresses in really bright colors. But I think the best aspect about Valentine's character is that he is this, you know, he is a supervillain. Uh, he, he's a bad guy. He's got this, you know, this great vision of death and destruction. But he hates the sight of blood. And I think that's a really clever addition to the character. Uh, you know, he literally pukes at the end of the movie when he sees blood. Uh, you know, he, he has an aversion to violence and an aversion to seeing it. 
but yet has this grand vision of, again, violence and, you know, mass death. Uh, and it's a really clever twist. Samuel L. Jackson, I mean, he's he's great in a lot of movies that he does. This, I think, is one of his better, maybe more underrated roles in recent years. Um, but he, I mean, he's great in this movie. Valentine, I think, is a memorable villain for a lot of reasons. Uh, and, you know, if, if anyone other than Samuel L. Jackson... Uh, had played the villain I don't know if he would have been quite the same but uh, you know there is only one Samuel L. Jackson and when you do get Samuel L. Jackson in a movie you kind of know what you're getting but he makes it work uh, and it definitely works within the framework of the Kingsman movie. So getting into our segments now starting of course with best scenes or best shots. Uh, it is a very visual movie uh, again it's it's very stylish action uh, I think the opening sequence kind of sets the tone for that. Uh, of course, the opening sequence, it's a its a raid on a building somewhere in the desert uh, set to Money for Nothing by Dire Straits. I think more action sequences need to be set to that music because it's great. Um, and of course, the, the opening titles, uh, you know, the, the studio names and the pr production company names... Uh, you know, as the building, as explosions go off in the building, the rubble kind of launches itself outside, bounces off the ground, and then forms the letters, uh, forms the words. You know, that's a pretty cool introduction. It kind of lets you know right away, hey, what you're in for is going to be over the top. Be prepared. Uh, and it, it's a good tone setter that way. Um, you know, the, the, the pub fight sequence in which we see Colin Firth just go off on a bunch of uh, a bunch of the the hooligans who are who are bullying and bugging Eggsy. Uh, Colin Firth is is fantastic in this movie. That scene, not even his best in the movie, and not even the best scene within the movie, but it's it's outrageous and awesome. And again, kind of sets the tone for the rest of the movie, saying, "Hey, this is over the top. This Kingsman stuff is really cool. Be prepared for this." Obviously, the church sequence, the church fight, uh, you know, it's it's definitely not all shot in one take, but it's edited to look like it is, and it's really, really well done. It's probably the most outrageous scene in the movie, but there's just so many elements to it. Like, even before the fighting starts, and I'll get to this in, in the next segment with quotes, but the line that Harry delivers before everything kind of erupts into this mass violence and Harry just basically killing everyone in this building uh, and everyone killing each other. Like, it's just, it's over the top. It's outrageous. It's extremely memorable. And, you know, probably the best sequence in the movie, I think. The best scene, and again, edited to make it look like it's all one shot, is a really neat way of doing it. Uh, I'm a sucker for oneers. I'm a sucker for really long extended takes or different t different shots that are edited together to look like one long take. Uh, and it's really well done. Uh, there's a sequence just like that, the climactic fight sequence at the end of the Golden Circle, which is done in the same manner. Uh, and I, I don't know which one's better. The church, the church sequence done, edited all in one, to make it look like it's all one take is really well done. It's definitely the most outrageous scene in the movie uh, and, and the one that I think people remember the most. Uh, another one that I think I have 
a, a kind of maybe a morbid appreciation for every time I see it is the in the climax of the movie when uh, you know uh, Merlin sets off some of the charges and and the soundtrack is pomp and circumstance you know the graduation song and just all of the bad guys henchmen heads just exploding to the tune of pomp and circumstance is again really outrageous but it, uh, at this point in the movie it, it fits within the rest of the framework uh it's just really really fun bizarre outrageous over the top sequence uh getting into best quotes uh there are a few good one-liners in this movie uh, of course, the the most famous one would be kind of the tagline for the whole Kingsman uh, operation, which is manners maketh man. It's repeated a couple times in this movie and the next one. Uh, it's it's very clever. It's it fits within the the Kingsman sophistication. Uh, the line that again, it, it's kind of a dig at the Bond movies. It's kind of an homage to the Bond movies, uh, but it also very much explains what this movie is uh the the dinner scene when when harry and valentine are having dinner together and valentine asks asks harry do you like spy movies and harry responds well nowadays they're all a little serious for my taste but the old ones marvelous give me a far-fetched theatrical plot any day and that's kind of the mic drop like that's exactly what kingsman is it's a far-fetched theatrical plot that in no way is to be taken serious. It's just a fun, marvelous movie that is just over the top. Definitely fits the framework of that quote. Uh, and the, the last quote that I have, uh, which makes me laugh out loud every time, even though I know exactly what's coming, is the scene just before the church erupts. Uh, Harry, you know, he's excusing himself from the church. It's a, it's a basically a hate church. It's a white supremacist uh church in the southern united states and harry's excusing himself from the from the pew and so he's you know excusing himself past one of the ladies in, in the pew and she says where do you think you're going and harry replies with i'm a catholic whore currently enjoying congress out of wedlock with my black jewish boyfriend who works at a military abortion clinic so hail satan and have a lovely afternoon madam his delivery of that line is phenomenal and just the line itself is outrageous like every, he hits on absolutely everything that would drive someone going to a church like that absolutely bonkers and it i mean it works but his delivery of that line is fantastic and i should say too that this role of harry is very out of character for colin firth i mean it isn't it's definitely on brand in some ways but the action sequences and line deliveries like that I mean, that's not something that I had ever seen Colin Firth perform before. And it was the first, I remember the first time watching Kingsman going, this is my favorite Colin Firth role. He's done some great stuff. He's a great act. I mean, he's a fantastic actor, Oscar winning. He's done some great dramatic roles before. And of course has done a, his fair share of romantic comedies as well. But this was the first time I'd really seen him in an action movie. And Kingsman still, I think, is his favorite, my favorite role of his uh, by far. So why the movie works. Again, the action sequences, they're stylish. They're over the top. They don't hide the fact that they're over the top. The movie at no point pretends to take itself too seriously. Um, 
it's stylish both in terms of the action and the fashion itself. I mean, the fashion is great. Like, uh, you know, the whole tailor scene in the in the Kingsman tailor shop. Uh, Harry throughout the whole movie is, is very fashionable. Uh, Eggsy, you know, as as the movie goes, you know, he starts off like a you know the rebel street kid with the you know the the bad jacket and the flat brim hat, uh, and then by the end of the movie, he's full Kingsman with the with the glasses uh, and the suit. Which, you know, I mean, that's the thing. Like, to, to be a Kingsman, you have to be able to pull that off. And all the guys who play the Kingsman roles, you know, they look fantastic in them. Uh, it's a new, fresh idea of an espionage movie, of a spy movie. Uh, you know, it's it's the rebel kid with a bad attitude who, who becomes a spy. That's, you know, we haven't really seen a lot of that before. We've seen it maybe in more, uh, you know, American cop movies. But set within the British spy genre was a new twist, at least for me. Uh, you know, I don't remember too many other movies, British spy movies like this. Um, so it's it's a nice fresh take on it. Uh, I just mentioned Colin Firth in an action movie. That's fantastic. Uh, and I, as I mentioned before, you know, the, the whole idea of a villain, you know, who's hell-bent on killing hundreds or thousands of people who also hates the sight of blood and has an aversion to violence. That's a really neat, unique twist on a character, uh, which, you know, is, is pulled off really well again by, by the great legendary Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, and the movie, it's really rewatchable. Like, yeah, there's the pub scene and the church scene, uh, and the scene at the end. But I feel like every time I watch this, there's another, maybe another line or another scene or another piece of dialogue or another exchange that I, that I appreciate a little more or that I, you know, come to appreciate a little more while watching it. Like the, the parachute scene and the training sequence. I feel like that's a scene that I didn't appreciate as much the first time I watched it. And then with each time I, I've rewatched it since, since my first viewing, uh, I've come to like that sequence a little more, I think. And, and there's other scenes like that. That's, you know, just one that stands out in my mind upon this rewatching uh, just a couple of days ago. Uh, why the movie doesn't work. It is a very violent movie. It's rated R. Uh, and it, it, it's definitely deserving of that. It's a hard R uh, for the language and the violence. And, and of course, the the infamous butt shot at the end of the, the movie that I think rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Um, you know, it, it's, it seems excessive. It seems, uh, you know, almost overindulgent at that point but um apparently the the director matthew vaughn you know he he already knew the movie was going to be an r rating so he figured he might as well throw a little nudity in there i don't know if it was really needed uh that did you know turn some people off or uh you know kind of spoil the enjoyment of the movie for some people um and it is a movie that's really over the top and for people who don't like over the top movies you know i get it uh but, you know, that's some of the reasons why the movie doesn't work. You know, it just has to do with the, the violence, the fashion of violence, um, and just the, the overall ridiculousness and over-the-top nature of the movie. I get it. Uh, if you subscribe to someone who doesn't enjoy movies like that, then this isn't the movie for you. It's probably not a movie you enjoyed. Uh, but again, if you're just looking for a movie that's fun and doesn't take itself seriously... This is absolutely a, a fantastic movie to pick. Uh, the next segment, Cotton Eye Joe. 
of course, for the famous lyric, where did they come from? Where did they go? We'll highlight a couple of the, the actors within the movie, talk about where this fits into their filmography, what they had done before, what they did right after. Uh, so for Colin Firth, just before doing Kingsman, he had done the drama The Railway Man. Uh, if, if anyone hasn't seen this movie, I, I absolutely re recommend watching it. It's, it's kind of a heartbreaking uh, movie in some ways, uh, set interspersed within World War II and several years after. Uh, Colin Firth is absolutely incredible in that movie. I, I, it's definitely worth a watch. I recommend it. Uh, that's one of the movies that he had done just before Kingsman. The other movie he had done just before was a Woody Allen movie, Magic in the Moonlight. So it's kind of a, a romance dramedy, I guess. Uh, it fits into that category. Then he did Kingsman, which, as I mentioned before, was unlike any other Colin Firth role that I'd ever seen him in. Uh, and then right after Kingsman went into back to his rom-com roots doing Bridget Jones's Baby, uh, the sequel to one of the sequels to Bridget Jones' Diary. Um, I haven't seen any of those movies. I understand that there's a lot of people who love them uh and love colin firth in those uh and so that again it, it's it was a movie that was very uh out of the colin firth type of movie but i think that's part of the reason why this movie works so well and why it's so great um the other actor we'll look at during this cotton eye joe segment is is the villain samuel l jackson um pretty much every role that that he's done in the last I want to say 15 years and maybe that's you know extending it a little too long 10 to 15 years pretty much every role has been samuel l jackson doing samuel l jackson and for whatever reason it works in pretty much every movie he's in i i can't explain why that is uh because he's he's really only been one character over the last several years of his of his career but it works uh you know he's just it's, it's like in some cases people are writing roles specifically for him. In other cases, it's like, uh, you know, he just makes it work with with his character that he does. Um, before doing Kingsman, he had done an action movie called Big Game in which he played uh, the president of the United States with a, with a nasty-looking handlebar mustache. Uh I haven't seen Big Game, but it seems like it's another kind of over-the-top, uh, just action movie. Uh, and then he did Kingsman, and then the the movie he did right after Kingsman was Avengers: Age of Ultron, of course, as Nick Fury, which was one of the roles that was written specifically for him. Uh, so again, it, it's it's a there's a common thread of, with uh, Samuel L. Jackson's filmography over the last several years. Uh, Kingsman definitely on brand for him, I think, but. Uh, perhaps out of type playing the villain. Uh, I think he should do more of that because he makes a great villain, especially in a movie like this that's over the top, that's ridiculous. Having a guy like Samuel L. Jackson play the villain uh, definitely helps and makes the movie work a little more. And the next segment is Runway, in which we talk about an actor whose career was just about to take off. Maybe this movie was the one that did it. Maybe it was a movie that came just after in the case of Taron Egerton, this was a movie that definitely launched his career. It helped his career take off. He'd only had minor movies and minor uh, appearances prior to 
uh, being cast essentially as the lead in this movie. Uh, but then within the next two years, he starred in Legend, which of course was the, the story about the Cray twins. Uh, he starred as the lead in Eddie the Eagle, about the British Olympian, the, the ski jumper. Uh, he had a major role in the animated movie Sing. And then, of course, this past uh, year was uh, nominated for several awards, winning a Golden Globe for his role as Elton John in Rocketman. Uh, but it all comes back to Kingsman. This is where he really showed his talent for... Uh, and, and he kind of shows a few different talents in this movie. He shows he can do the action. He shows he can be the rough-and-tumble kid. And he shows that he can be suave and sophisticated as, as the Kingsman uh, agent. Uh, but this movie really launched his career uh, into what it is now. Uh, of course, the, there's been the Kingsman sequel. There's, I'm sure there's plenty of other projects coming down the pipeline uh, for Taron Egerton, but he's he's the runway focus for, for Kingsman for sure. Was this movie a top three movie for the director? Director Matthew Vaughn. Uh, he's got a pretty limited filmography, so it's a pretty easy yes. This fits in his top three. Uh, you know, he's really only done the two Kingsman movies. He, he did X-Men First Class, which I think... Uh, you know, it's it's a much maligned movie in some ways, but I still think it's really enjoyable. It's the first movie that kind of unites the old Kingsman cast with the, with the new Kingsman cast. Um, I think it does so in a really clever way. Um, and of course, he's got the, the Kingsman prequel coming out at some point this year uh, or next year, depending on uh, how long it gets delayed because of the COVID-19 uh, pandemic um, but it's a pretty easy top three I think I think this is the the best one for me uh, I say that now but that's just because I've watched Secret Service uh, most recently I do have a deep love for Kingsman the Golden Circle I'm sure once I watch that one the next time that will jump to the to the top uh, but it would be it would be his top three would be the two Kingsman movies uh, and X-Men first class for me um, you know, I think uh, he's he's definitely got a flair for for stylish movies and stylish action, and it all it all comes to its its peak here with Kingsman. So now we'll step into hot take corner. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to spend a ton of time talking about this because I know there's a lot of people who will disagree with me for on this one. Uh, but my hot take for this week or or for this movie for Kingsman. I think Colin Firth should be the next James Bond. Yeah, I know he turned 60 this year. Yeah, I know he's maybe not the the typical Bond type. But think about everything you look for in someone who should play James Bond. Criteria number one, being English. Colin Firth is English. He fits that criteria, so check mark. Criteria number two looks absolutely fantastic in a tuxedo. And Colin Firth, I think a lot of people will agree with me, checks that emphatically. Criteria number three has to be suave and sophisticated uh, and, and a heartthrob among females. Uh, and I, again, he checks that one uh, in large part because of his roles such as Pride and Prejudice and a lot of the rom-com work he's done. Uh, in this movie, he proves that he can be very suave, he can be very sophisticated. 
The last criteria, which I think a lot of people would disagree before watching this movie, and a lot of people who haven't seen this movie would still disagree with, the last criteria for Bond would be someone who has to be able to, to fit in to an action genre. Uh, and I, I looked it up after. Colin Firth did 80%, uh, approximately 80% of his own stunts for Kingsman. Uh, so he can definitely pull off the action. Um, now I, I mentioned he turned 60 and that's, you know, that might be a red flag for someone like Bond, especially where Daniel Craig, who's, who's significantly younger than Colin Firth. Um, you know, Daniel Craig has mentioned that doing the Bond movie is especially the last couple have really worn him down. He's gotten all sorts of injuries. So maybe Colin Firth, someone of Colin Firth's age, isn't who you would be looking for in a, in a typical Bond uh, actor but think again look at all the criteria he fits all the criteria he can definitely do the action and the action that he does in Kingsman uh, is probably more over the top than anything he'd have to do in any of the Bond movies uh, so I think I think he should give it a go and, and I know the, uh, No Time to Die is Daniel Craig's last Bond movie even if it's just for one movie kind of a uh, passing of the torch so you will from from older actors to a younger actor before they take on the mantle i think colin firth should be at least considered to be the next james bond again even if it's just for one movie uh i think he would do nothing but great things with the character and again he's he's a fantastic actor so he'd be able to put a great dramatic spin uh on bond if that's the type of bond that they're going to be looking for next so that's my that's my hot take for this week is that uh colin firth should at least be considered to be James Bond, because I think he would fit in very well into that James Bond universe. So now we'll look at some fun trivia from the movie, uh, from Kingsman, The Secret Service. Uh, I mentioned Samuel L. Jackson does a great job playing the villain. Uh, he wasn't the only actor considered for the villain, so it's not like the character was written for him. Uh, other actors who were considered to play Valentine, uh, the great British actor Idris Elba, uh, who, who's done his fair share of playing villains over the last number of years. Um, Tom Cruise. Uh, this would have been very off-brand for Tom Cruise playing a villain, especially in a British spy movie like this. Uh, I think that could have been really interesting. Uh, and the other blockbuster actor who was considered was Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, I think it would have been great to see either one of those three guys play Valentine or, or any villain within the Kingsman uh, universe and and you know maybe down the road if if more Kingsman movies get made maybe that maybe that would be a great role for one of these one of those three guys to do uh, but in terms of this movie the the first one I think Samuel L. Jackson was a great villain uh, I I don't think anyone regrets casting him because he he did a great job with with Valentine uh, the church scene which I talked about a couple times uh, it is super violent it is very it's a brutally violent scene uh that whole scene was actually removed in some countries uh i don't have a list of which countries it was removed from just that some countries edited out because it was just too over the top for them uh and again i get it but it's it's kind of one it's kind of important to the movie uh both as a plot piece and as a as an action sequence just in itself um but it is kind of that memorable flagship scene of the movie. 
so I don't understand how you can justify having the movie without the scene, but uh, it is what it is. The the you know the the uh, ratings people within different countries have their reasons, uh, I'm sure. Uh, but uh, thankfully, uh, here in Canada, it wasn't removed, uh, so we're, we were still blessed with with getting that scene. Uh, I mentioned how the that church scene is very brutally violent. Uh, according to IMDb, the body count in that scene alone is 58. Harry kills 58 people just within that church sequence, uh, which is, I mean, that's an alarming number for uh, just one scene. Uh, and so the, the soundtrack for that scene is, is Freebird, the Leonard Skinner song. Uh, apparently all Matthew Vaughn did to pick that song for the church scene uh, was he just googled great long American guitar solos? Freebird was the first one to pop up. He listened to it, said I like it, fit it in uh, as the as the background music, uh, and it, it kind of helps make that scene what it is. It's it's a like I said, it's a great scene, but it's an outrageously brutally violent scene, and the fact that it's Freebird playing in the background just helps with the outrageous nature of it. Uh, the total body count for the movie. Uh, Harry kills 61 people, uh, 58 of them being in that church scene. Uh, Eggsy kills 28. Merlin himself kills 232. Uh, I think a very high percentage of that comes from the pomp and circumstance exploding heads uh, sequence. Um, and not to be outdone, though, uh, Valentine has the highest body count, killing uh, over 1,200 people. Uh, through the the chip implant uh, process and activating them and seeing the montage of so many people just erupting into violence and destruction. Uh, professor Arnold, the British professor at Imperial College, played by the great legendary Mark Hamill, uh, of course famous for playing Luke Skywalker, uh, it's, it's a fun twist because Professor Arnold is the, the first person kidnapped within the movie. Uh, and it's, it's ironic that he's played by Mark Hamill. I'm sure this was done with some degree of intent. Uh, but in the comics for Kingsman, Mark Hamill is the celebrity who's kidnapped. Uh, and so I'm sure that it was, it was very deliberate in casting Mark Hamill as the professor who gets kidnapped. Uh, I think Mark Hamill is great. Of course, he's he's done his fair share of voice work as the Joker, uh, so he he puts on a good British accent. I'm glad they didn't pick a British actor to play that character. Uh, and I, again, I don't know if this was done intentionally or if it was just uh, a happy coincidence. But uh, of course, Mark Hamill, famous for playing Luke Skywalker and his battles against the Empire and Imperial forces, and in this movie, his character is a professor at Imperial College. Happy coincidence or done on purpose? I don't know. You can come to your own conclusions. Uh, the last piece of, of trivia that I'll talk about uh, was the underwater scene uh, during the training or one of the training sequences when the, the dormitory is, uh, is flooded and they have to get out of it. That actually took longer to film than the church scene because the first time they tried to film it, it went horribly, horribly wrong. Something about how the computers, which control the the water levels within the within the uh the set 
uh, malfunctioned and filled the water up way too fast. Uh, and everyone was standing in like neck deep in water and not expecting to. So they had to basically reset the entire system. Uh, so that again, I, I'm sure every movie experiences flaws. Uh, th this movie definitely not exempt from that. Uh, but I, I was surprised to find out because that underwater scene, I mean, it's only about maybe a minute and a half to two minutes within the, within the, uh, the movie. And the, it seems like there's far fewer moving parts than, than the church sequence. Uh, but it, it took longer to film, which caught me by surprise. Uh, number of major awards that this movie was nominated for or won. Could it have won more? Uh, I don't think it's, I mean, it's definitely not an, an award season type of movie. It doesn't pretend to be, it doesn't take itself seriously, as I've mentioned before. So did it win any awards? No. Could it or should it have? Probably not. But I think, I think everyone who's part of that would be okay with that. I don't think it's, it was, uh, filmed with that intention. Uh, so I, I don't think it, it would have, I, I think if it was up for, uh, Again, I, I, I love this movie. I love Kingsman. Uh, but I think if it had won any major awards, like a, like Golden Globes or uh, Academy Awards, at least in any of the major categories, I think it would have spoken to the a potential lack of quality among other movies that came out in 2014. And, and that wasn't the case. Uh, I, I just think this movie was not meant to be an awards-winning type of movie. But again, I think, it's, I think that's not done accidentally uh so that's it for uh kingsman the secret service as always you can interact on twitter uh at films talking uh you can interact with the website uh talking greatestfilms.wordpress.com there's more content coming your way that way within the coming days and weeks uh there are more podcasts that i have planned coming up uh the next the next film I'll be I'll be talking about here on the Talking Films pod is going to be George Miller's masterpiece, Mad Max Fury Road. Uh, and I, I do have plans to talk about uh, a movie series or trilogy, uh, going through the movies one at a time, uh, spacing them out a little bit maybe, but uh, I'm not sure which series or trilogy to do first. So if you have ideas, reach out over the website, reach out over Twitter, reach out to me somehow. Uh, and, and let me know which trilogy or which series you want to hear me talk about, which series you want to hear me dive into, uh, and I will definitely take it into consideration. I have a few in mind, but again, just haven't narrowed it down yet. Uh, so again, however you're, you're listening, whether it's over Spotify or Google Podcasts or Anchor uh, or Breaker or however you're listening in, uh, thank you for tuning in. Please stay tuned for more. Uh, and again, please check out the website, talkinggreatestfilms.wordpress.com. Uh, thanks for listening in. Stay safe, everyone.